Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, there are two topics we are told never to talk about and never to bring up in a conversation. What are they? Politics and religion. Whatever you do, we're told, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. However, according to a 2014 survey by Wells Fargo, there is a topic even more controversial than politics and even more controversial than religion. Anybody want to guess what it is? M-O-N-E-Y, money. Show me the money. Uh, money actually came right at the top of the survey, uh, much to everybody's surprise. In fact, 44%, almost half of all Americans, point to personal finances as the most challenging chat anyone can possibly have. Even the terrifying existential topic of death, which usually comes at the top of these kinds of surveys, came in second at 38%, six percentage points behind uh, money. And then politics came in at 35% and religion 32%. While money might be a touchy subject, money might be a taboo um, topic in most of the circles that we run in, but that should not be the case with those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Because folks, when we yield our lives to Jesus, when we choose to recognize Jesus as Lord, we are choosing to recognize Jesus as Lord of absolutely everything. Not some things, not most things, not even the majority of things, but absolutely everything, including our finances. And if any Christ follower understood this truth, if any Christ follower grasped this truth, John Wesley did. Uh, some of you might be familiar with the name John Wesley. He was born in 1703. Um, he died in 1791. He was 88 years old when he passed away, which was very unusual back in the 1700s. But along with his brother Charles, John Wesley was the principal founder of the Methodist movement. Uh, the religious movement that swept across England in the 1700s and then eventually came to America. Um, actually, the Methodist movement came to America right around the same time that our country was being founded. It's interesting how these two things happened at the same time. And so Methodism caught on in America, just spread like wildfire um, across the landscape. As America grew, as America expanded and got bigger, so did the Methodist movement until eventually the denomination that we now call the United Methodist Church was founded in 1968. And Asbury, as I think we all know, is a part of that denomination. We uh, are a United Methodist congregation, which means we come from the tradition that was shaped by John Wesley. Uh, let's be clear, uh, John Wesley is certainly not somebody that we worship. We worship God. Uh, John Wesley was not a perfect person. Um, he had flaws and he made mistakes just like we all do. But by God's grace, John Wesley got a lot of things right. And one of the things he got right in my estimation was his understanding of money and the role that money should play in our lives if we are, in fact, followers of Jesus. Uh, in 1760, when Wesley was 57 years old, he preached a sermon entitled, The Use of Money. The Use of Money. And I think we got the title. There it is, up on the screen. And in this sermon, what John Wesley did is he put forward three rules that he thought every Christian should live by when it comes to money. 
Those three rules are these. We should, number one, earn all we can or gain all we can. Number two, we should save all we can. And then number three, we should give all we can. Earn all we can, save all we can, give all we can. Earn, save, give. And so earn, save, give is the name of the sermon series uh, that we're starting this morning here at Asbury. Uh, this series is going to take place over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll pause the series next week as we observe All Saints Sunday on November 7th, and then we'll come back to the series on November 14th and November 21st. Uh, we're going to finish the series just before Thanksgiving. And this series ties directly with the information that you hopefully received earlier this week um, in the mail in your stewardship packet. How many of you got your stewardship packet in the mail? Okay. How many of you read the stewardship packet that you got in the mail? All right, that's great. And uh, it's important to not just receive it, but also to read it. And if for whatever reason you didn't receive a stewardship packet, we have some available in the back. Uh, those will continue to be available over the next few weeks. And so I would encourage you to pick one up and um, uh, just read that information and digest it. But before we go any further this morning, what I want to do first is I want to name the elephant in the room. Uh, I got kind of a weird sense of humor, so I came across this comic I wanted to share with you. Uh, there's an elephant sitting inside a therapist's office, and the elephant says to the therapist, I'm right there in the room, and nobody even acknowledges me. This, these are the kind of things I text my friends, the, these comics when I find them, and to my wife as well. She knows that. But that's the elephant in the room. It's a topic that we don't want to talk about, but everybody kind of knows about it, right? Well, because money tends to be such a touchy subject, as we've already established, there are many folks, and maybe even some of us find ourselves in this category, but there are many folks who find sermon series, like the one I'm about to do, to be annoying, off-putting, bothersome. They come to worship with all these preconceived notions of what the sermon series is going to be about, and so sometimes what they do is they check out. Sometimes they physically check out, in the sense that they purposely don't come to worship until the sermon series is over. In fact, I remember a number of years ago, I was doing a sermon series on stewardship, and I got an email from somebody in the congregation who said to me, hey, Pastor Chris, I'll see you at Advent when the sermon series is over. And so uh, that was just somebody who shared that with me. Other folks might not share it, but they still might physically not show up. So sometimes they physically check out. Other times they mentally check out in the sense that they're here, they're in the room, but they're not really here, right? Their mind is somewhere else. And folks, I really would encourage us to resist both of those options. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on some uh, really good information. This is a very practical sermon series. But not only that, and I know this is a strong statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Otherwise, we'll be hindering our own spiritual growth. I'm reminded of a doctor who was doing a physical examination on a patient. And the doctor began to press on the patient's abdomen. And the patient screamed out, Ouch, doctor! Why'd you do that? That hurt. And the doctor said, We have a big problem. That shouldn't hurt. And so folks, simply put, if we find a sermon series on finances to be annoying, bothersome, off-putting, we just might be diagnosing our own spiritual problem. Because like it or not, Money plays a role in our relationship with God. It does. The Bible talks about money. In fact, some scholars estimate, and I, I read the stat this week, some scholars estimate that the Bible talks about money as many as 800 times 
And even Jesus, while he was with us on earth and he was engaged in ministry, Jesus preached about money. Listen with me to what Jesus says here in probably the most famous sermon that he ever delivered. What was the most famous sermon Jesus delivered? Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5, goes all the way to Matthew 7. Uh, that's Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. It's also in Luke's gospel. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, uh, verses 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them, and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so the key, according to Jesus, is to get our hearts properly aligned. And in getting our hearts properly aligned, the first rule of Christian wisdom, according to John Wesley, is to earn all we can. Um, John Wesley challenged the assumption that Christians had 300 years ago and that some Christians carry even out today that money is somehow inherently evil. So let's be clear about something, folks. Money is not evil. Money is not bad. Money is not wrong. Money is not corrupt. You know what money is? Money is amoral. What happens when you put the letter A before a word? Uh, a, a theist, for example, is somebody who believes in God. What is an atheist? Somebody who doesn't believe in God. So when you put the letter A before the word, it cancels it out. Money is amoral. In other words, money lacks moral value altogether. It's not immoral, it's not moral, it's amoral. Uh, I like how Dave Ramsey puts it in his Financial Peace University program, uh, which Amanda and I took after we got married. Dave Ramsey compares money to a brick. I could take a brick, I could throw it through a window, I could cause a lot of damage, right? But I could also take that same brick if I knew what I was doing, and I could build a hospital with it, or a nursing home or a school, or a charitable organization. And so what matters isn't the brick, but the person who's holding it. What's going on in that person's heart? And the same is true with money. That money itself is not evil. Nowhere does the Bible ever call money evil. But do you know what the Bible does call evil? The love of money. Uh, listen to what it says here. This is 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 10. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing, to his disciple Timothy, this person that he was mentoring. For the love of money, Paul says, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is what we need to watch out for. The love of money is what we need to be careful about. In fact, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes on to say that we can't worship God in money. We have to give our hearts to one of these parties. And so when we give our hearts over to God, which of course I think is the infinitely superior choice, um, and God begins that process that we call sanctification. In other words, God begins to renew us. God begins to purge us of our sin and our brokenness. And God conforms us into the image of Jesus. That changes how we approach the world. And that also changes how we approach money, including this rule of John Wesley that we should earn all we can. Uh, some people hear those words, earn all you can, and they think, okay, so John Wesley was saying that I should do whatever I can to get really rich, right? That's not at all what Wesley meant. And so in this sermon, the use of money, what John Wesley did is he clarified what he meant 
by earn all we can. In fact, um, in clarifying it, Wesley gives us three practical guidelines to live by when it comes to earning all we can. And if you're somebody who likes to take notes during the uh, sermon, I would encourage you to write these down. These are the three practical guidelines that John Wesley gives to us. The first guideline is this. Number one, recognize our work as a calling from God. Recognize our work as a calling from God. You see, far too many of us see our job as simply a way to make money. I go to work, I put in my time, I get a paycheck, I go home, that's it. Nothing more. But folks, what if we began to see our job as a way of fulfilling God's call in our lives to serve, to bless people, to be about the kingdom of God? And so if we're a teacher, for example, and we have some teachers here in the room, I know Lisa, you're a teacher. Um, Hope, you're a teacher as well. But if we're a teacher, for example, then we see our classroom as a ministry. We have the amazing, incredible opportunity to invest in the lives of students, to build students up, to encourage them, to help them achieve their potential, to become thriving human beings. How awesome is that? Or if we work in a business, in a corporate setting, in an office setting, and I know we have folks here who work in office settings, and maybe we have people who report to us, people who are under us, then we go out of our way to mentor those persons, just like people have mentored us, to develop them as future leaders. If we're an attorney, or an accountant, or we're a server at a restaurant, or we work in the, you know, the drive-through, we recognize that work as a calling from God. The truth is, it really doesn't matter what we do. So long as our job is a job of integrity, that's an important caveat, so long as our job is a job of integrity, all of us can recognize our work as a calling from God. And I will never forget somebody who taught me this. About six years ago, just after my mom passed away, one day I was walking to the mailbox. Uh, we have one of those community mailboxes in the middle of the street where you get your mail. As I was walking to the mailbox, all of a sudden the mail carrier drives by and she yells out from the, uh, from the car window, hey, are you Pastor Chris? And I was you know, kind of taken aback. I hadn't met her at that point, so I was surprised she knew who I was. And then I think she could tell that she startled me. And she said, I saw you coming out of that house over there. And I knew a pastor lived there. And then she said, is everything okay? And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I've noticed that you've been getting a lot of personal cards recently. I was hoping they were birthday cards, but I had a feeling they weren't. And I said, no, they're not birthday cards. And then I explained to her what happened. I said, um, earlier this summer, on July 15th, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. She immediately went to the ICU. She was there for about a month. And then she passed away on August 13th. She was 59 years old. And the milk carrier said, I'm so sorry to hear this. And I want you to know that I've been praying for you. I said, you have? And she said, well, sure. You know, it's interesting. As a milk carrier, I have an inside look into people's lives. People don't realize this, but you could tell a lot about a person from the mail that they receive. I know when the creditors are coming after them. When they get the same bill after the same bill after the same bill and they can't pay it off, 
I know based on the condolence cards that I see that somebody has passed away. So what I do, when I put the mail in their mailbox, that's what she said to me, what I do is I stop and I pray for them. I pray that God would bless them. I pray that God would give them everything they need to get through this really hard season and that they would recognize their identity as a child of God. I pray for the people on my route. Just like I've been praying for you, Pastor Chris. And she pointed at me as she said that. That woman saw her job as more than a way of making money. She saw her job as an opportunity to be a part of what God was doing in the world. She saw her job as an opportunity to be in ministry. All of us can see our jobs as an opportunity to be in ministry. Now, some of us sitting here in the congregation might say, well, wait a minute. I'm retired. I'm not working. This doesn't apply to me. All right, well, you know somebody who's working, don't you? Maybe a child of yours, maybe a grandchild, maybe a niece, maybe a nephew, maybe a neighbor. All of us know people who are working. Share this information with them. Inspire them, encourage them, bless them. I also think this principle applies if we're volunteering somewhere, uh, that we can recognize that work as a calling from God. That's the first uh, general principle that John Wesley gives to us uh, when it comes to earning all we can. We recognize our work as a calling from God. The second one he gives us is this. We earn all we can by using common sense. And what John Wesley meant by common sense is that we lay aside our arrogance. The presumption that we know everything. We have everything fi figured out. And we have enough humility to seek counsel from the people around us. Including people who are smarter than we are, wiser than we are, more experienced than we are, who have been down this road. I remember one time as a pastor, I was going through a season in my ministry where I was deeply discouraged. I had made some decisions at the church I was serving. Some of those decisions, I, I felt they were the right decision, but they blew up in my face. People were upset. And a part of me started to wonder, am I going to retire in vocational ministry? I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I have this dream of standing on the stage of annual conference one day and retiring as a full-time pastor, but... Seasons like this make me wonder, am I going to toss in the towel too soon? And so I reached out to um, a colleague of mine who's a mentor. I met him at his office, and he's been in ministry for 40 years. And I just sat down with him, and I said, listen, I said, when ministry is awesome, it is really awesome. It is so life-giving. It is so exhilarating. I get to be a part of what God is doing to transform people's lives. But when it's tough... When it's discouraging, it is really discouraging. How have you done this as long as you have? What's the secret? That's what he said to me. I'll never forget this. He said, Chris, some days you just put one foot in front of the other. In other words, don't think about the next 30 years. Just take it one day at a time. Just keep following God. Just continue to be faithful. Just put one foot by the grace of God in front of the other, and those words were exactly what I needed to hear to get through that season. I love how the sage puts it in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book with some wise sayings, and this is what the sage, presumably Solomon, says in Proverbs 11, verse 14. Without wise leadership, 
a nation falls, there is safety in having many advisors, not just some advisors, but a lot of advisors. Or listen also to what the sage says here in Proverbs 15. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. In other words, the more people we turn to in our vocational journey, the better. And the danger, according to John Wesley, is earning all that we can without seeking guidance from other people. That's when we make the really bad decisions, like calling it quits before we should. That's when we compromise our ethics. That's when we become prone to bitterness and selfishness and greed. And so we earn all that we can. Number one, we recognize our work as a calling from God. Number two, we use common sense. And the third guideline that John Wesley gives to us is this. We earn all we can without paying more for it than it is worth. And Wesley spelled out this guideline in some really specific terms. He said, for example, we should earn all that we can, but not at the expense of our health. If we're losing sleep, if we're not eating properly, if we're not exercising because we're spending all this time at work, we have a problem. Or along this line, if we're neglecting our family, if we're missing anniversaries and weddings and graduations because we're spending all this time at the office, we have to ask ourselves, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? It's not. What can I do to maintain a better work-life balance? Uh, I refer again to the book of Proverbs. This is what it says, Proverbs 23, verse 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. And so at some point, we have to understand when enough is enough is enough. So we earn all we can, but not at the expense of our health, not at the expense of our families. And John Wesley also said, we earn all that we can while doing right by our neighbor. And who is our neighbor according to Jesus? Everybody. Does the person have a pulse? That person's your neighbor. And that includes the people that we do business with. We do not take advantage of the people that we do business with. We don't exploit their naivety or their ignorance. We don't sell them something they don't really need. And we don't charge them more than we should be charging them. Now, is it okay to make a profit? Yeah. But there is a big difference between making a profit and ripping somebody off. Amen? Uh, one of the TV shows I watch every now and again is uh, Shark Tank. Anybody ever seen Shark Tank before on ABC? If you're not familiar with Shark Tank, basically what happens is you have this group of highly successful, wealthy investors. What are they called? Sharks. And what they do is they interview everyday ordinary people who have developed some sort of product, and they're hoping that one or more of the sharks will invest in their product so that they can begin to distribute it on a mass scale. And one of the sharks, this guy here in the middle uh, who's sitting down, do you know what they call him? Mr. Wonderful. He's probably the toughest shark on the show. Uh, oftentimes, he is brutally interested in only making money and nothing more. Uh, as we close out this message, there's a clip from Shark Tank that I want to share with you. Uh, this is from an episode that aired, I want to say in 2014, but maybe a little earlier than that. And in this clip, there's a farmer. The farmer's name is Johnny, and Johnny has invented a product to help farmers water their crops. And so Johnny comes on the show, and what I want us to see 
is how Johnny embodies this last guideline from Wesley. We earn all that we can, but we don't pay more for it than it's worth. We don't exploit our neighbor. Take a look. Hello, sharks. My name is Johnny Georges, and I'm the creator of the Tree TP water containment system. I'm asking for $150,000 for 20% of my company. Tree TP is water conservation and frost protection at its finest. Instead of using 25,000 gallons per tree per year, we're now only using 800 gallons per tree per year and doing a better job with a 30% increase in the growth of new trees and letting a farmer get his return on his money a whole lot faster. When good people come together, when good people come together with a noble cause, great things happen. And water conservation is what tree TP is all about. So I put an irrigation line on every tree. That's what's yes, happening. And right now, before of the tree TP, I was putting 25,000 gallons a year under that tree. Yes, sir. Now I buy the tree TP. Yes, sir. I only put 800 gallons. Yes, sir. So I'm saving a lot of money in fuel, in, in fuel and water. Do you have a patent on this? Yes, sir. I have a utility patent. Do you know what your market is? Do you in know Florida, how many? In Florida, I do. Yes, ma'am. But we have 42 nurseries. 19 are commercial. The rest are private with growers growing their own trees. And those are the only people you've sold to? Yes, sir. Just the people you've done irrigation Just the people work. I know. Wow. Put this on the market? No, sir. There's no water containment system out there for the micro sprinklers. Why only $5? It's Why not charge $12. 10 or 12 or 15 or Because 20? I'm working with farmers and they're buying, they're not buying one. They're buying 20,000. Why not 7,000? 10,000, sir. Even, even at 10,000, right? Why not $7? Well, I've never done that. I've always tried to be right. I make a dollar off each one. If I, I sold 7,000 yesterday, I made seven Johnny, grand. Johnny, you, you I can't get involved with you because there's not enough margin for me as a distributor. I need to be able to sell it for $12 at least so that I can make some profit and you can make some profit. I'm out. Johnny? Yes, sir. Farmers are the cornerstone of America. There may be a lot of farmers out there that can't afford $12 per tree, but maybe they could afford six or $7. I'm gonna give you everything you're asking for, your $150,000 for 20%. What you're doing is right, and you deserve the chance to make it big and do a lot of good. I'd like to be your partner, Johnny. I like everything you stand for, man. And Thank I you, like partner. Your, everything. <laughs> I think that's a yes, JP. Yes, sir. Okay, man. Good for you. Congratulations. All right. All right. God bless America. Show that it Thank works. Thank you. Man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, dude. Well done, partner. I'll All be a good right. one, too. I love that you care about the farmer. You're a star, Johnny. Man, yeah. congratulations. Thank Super you. star, dude. God bless All you, right, Johnny. Man. Thank you. So Johnny got exactly what he wanted, but most importantly, he did so in a way that honored God that was pleasing to God. And so here's the bottom line. We live in a world where that phrase, earn all you can, can be easily misconstrued into doing whatever you can to get really rich. That's not what it's about. Number one, it's about recognizing our work as a calling from God. Number two, it's about using common sense and seeking help from the people around us. And number three, it's about earning money in ways that are healthy, 
honest and ethical that don't compromise our soul or our convictions. It's a blessing to be able to work, isn't it? To use our education, our skills, our talents, our experience, our abilities to earn an income and not just earn an income, but to be about the work of God. It's a blessing and a privilege for which we give thanks. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Johnny, for the way that he stood by his convictions. Thank you for John Wesley and the sermon that he preached so many years ago that continues to teach us what it means to follow you in our finances. God, help all of us to earn all that we can, to save all that we can, so that we can give all we can, and we can be generous with what we have. Thank you, God, for the blessing of work and to be able to glorify you as we engage in work. We give you thanks and praise on all the glory, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.